0: Today on the podcast, Come Dance With Me, is a charming new TV show on Global where kids ask their parents to be their dance partner on national TV for a big prize. Emily and Anna, our mother-daughter duo, competing on the show, and they join us to share the experience between them, each other, Uh, their individual experiences, so much more. It's a real cool mother-daughter conversation. You'll feel real proud of this little girl, Uh, not very little anymore, 13, about how dance has brought them closer together. The Canadian government did a lot of tracking of personal data during the pandemic. Hank the Hacker, the ethical hacker, helps us understand what we should be concerned about for data that's being collected and how the government does that. Plus, are you okay with donuts or is it donuts? The joke is funnier if you read it.
1: This is the Shift Podcast.
0: Are you okay with the
1: exit row? Yes, absolutely.
2: More leg room. But with more legroom comes more responsibility.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think about my aunt, who's a flight attendant, who's flown thousands of times across the world from across Canada to over Germany. And she's only ever had two emergency situations and all of them were we're fine nothing to do with an actual like plane crash or anything so the chance the statistical chance of me having to open that door and be responsible for that is slim i'm fine doing it and i get more leg room yeah. so and even and this is coming from a guy who's five seven and i like having more leg room on planes wow.
2: yeah oh, but okay i only go ahead no i had it once i only had the exit row once and they always say, in the unlikely event of a water landing, this is yeah. what you have to do. Uh, my flight that I had this on was from Atlanta to Dallas. Was, well, if you had a water, yeah, landing, I was you're, gonna say, you're in much bigger trouble, an than. extremely unlikely event that that plane's gonna go down on the Mississippi, but you know, I guess it could happen. The river. You still have to hit
0: a hard left if it did, yeah. Okay, travel secrets from the guy who flies a lot. You want them?
1: I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say on this. Yes, please.
0: Travel secrets. Exit row. Very important to book yourself on the exit row. The reasons. But you have to be careful. The reasons. Uh, The real reason why you want to book on the exit row is because you board the plane first. You get all of the cubby space for your carry-ons. Because you board before anybody else does. They do the, the, the premium people in the front. And they Mm -hmm. do the people who need assistance and the young families and they do the exit row. So you don't have to get in that long queue of people to get on the plane by the section or whatever that you're boarding. So that's number one reason why to get in the exit row. There's a catch. There's two catches, actually. In Depending on the plane, there is one or two rows at least of exit row. So I want you to imagine this. okay? Two rows with exits. Now, I want you, when you imagine this in your mind's eye... Everyone, if you're driving, please be careful. So there's two rows that have an exit. The row in front of that, which is not an exit row, guess what happens? What? You can't recline your chair. Because it's an exit row behind you. All right, yeah. So if you sit in the row in front of the exit row, you cannot recline your chair at all anytime there's no buttons. If you're in the first exit row, you get the leg room, you get to get on early, you get the cubby space up top, you cannot recline your chair because there's an exit row behind you. If you're in the second exit row, you get on early, you get to put all your stuff in the cubby, you're not allowed to have your jacket on your lap during takeoff, but you can recline your chairs because there's no exit row behind you. You get the leg
1: room, you get all of it. Important. Wow. That's it. That's very helpful. Well done. Right? Always. I, I never thought of that.
0: <laughs> so you know how people hate, hate sitting in the middle seat if there's three seats, like on a Boeing? Oh, it's the worst. Everyone hates that. In But you know what? If you're in an exit row, choose the middle Doesn't seat. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. matter. You get all the room. You get in, you get all the things, you get all the space. It's easy to get in and out if you got to go to the potty and all the things. So just saying, there you go. There's the answer. That's the secret. Another secret would be row four which is the very first row behind the premium class. Because the very first row behind the premium class, you don't board early, but you um, typically board very quickly because you're in the first section. They never board mm-hmm. the back of the plane first. There's a reason. Because it's on three wheels, and it's a teeter-totter. And if they board the back of the plane first, the front of the plane leaves the ground. Just mm. tips. Here's a stat for you. So you always get on sooner and you get all the leg room of premium because your seat is offset from the, the premium seats in front of you. From the wall. Yeah. Now,
2: with the plain weight and the teeter-totter thing in Australia, mm-hmm. um, they would charge you significant amounts of money if your luggage was even just slightly overweight. Oh yeah. So, so the one time what I did was I took all of my shirts out of my luggage because it was just slightly, it just kept being overweight every time we weighed it. I took all of them out and put them on. So the plane was still going to weigh the same because the they're same, all yeah. on me. But they let me yeah. on, and I was they wearing. Let yeah, they let me on, and I was wearing like twelve shirt t-shirts. It was great. That happened to me. I had two bags leaving Hawaii. I had
0: one bag was fifty four pounds, and one bag was forty five pounds and I had uh, 12 bottles of beer in one bag. I took out four bottles of beer out of the 54-pound bag. I put them into the 45-pound bag, and I ended up with a 50-pound bag and a 49-pound bag. That didn't cost me any extra money. If I
1: had left the four bottles of beer in that bag, it was going to cost me extra money for being overweight. It's all on the same same plane. There's some good... I saw a TikTok uh, life hack genius... uh, I don't bring pillows on planes usually, but I see people do it. Uh, if you want to keep your bags lighter, stuff your t-shirts inside a pillowcase, bring that on the plane, and then you can use it to rest on, and it's just carry-on. So your luggage is light. All your t-shirts are just stuffed into your pillowcase. That seems like a lot of work to me. It, would look, But it looked good. Like the video. I mean, my just TikTok, it's all curated to make it look nice and easy, but it seemed mm-hmm. like... A pretty smart way to go about traveling. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Another, another free way to travel do it. Show.
0: If you have a small carry-on and it's very, very heavy, uh, they don't weigh your carry-on. It's all based on averages, right? They don't weigh your carry-on. And um, when you uh, take your carry-on, your carry-on could be grossly overweight. Like your carry-on could be 80 pounds. Nobody will know because they never weigh it. And then when you get to the gate, usually when the flights are full, they say, hey, if you'd like our complimentary gate check. Come bring your bag to the gate. We will tag it for you. You can't have it back. So get everything you want out of it. And it'll go under the plane. It'll show up at the carousel where we're going. We'll do that for you free of charge because it means room in the cubby above. So you don't pay the weight overages. You get the $25 check bag fee that you were going to pay at the front, but you don't have to pay anymore. Uh, now they do that and they take it. They don't ever weigh it. And they put it under the plane for you. See? At, Life hacks. Look at that. Life hacks. Anyway, exit roads. Exit row. Are you okay with exit <laughs> rows? That's why we're That's here. That's a good tangent, though. Amazing stuff. Uh, sitting in the emergency exit row is more comfortable. I love it. you got to watch for that seat recline thing. But you're next to the door in case, in case of emergency, so if you panic, uh, it's going to affect other people. Some people, like Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm, do not want the responsibility, like Brendan Kelly, of the emergency exit door.
1: I can't really sit here by the emergency door exit I think you better get someone else.
3: Okay, so we're about three minutes away from wheels up, so you yeah. need to just stay put, okay? No, no, no got you, a full you
1: plane. don't understand. I can't be sitting here. If something happens, I can't we won't be able to get out. Calm down, okay? I cannot do it. I will panic.
3: We will go down. All we need to know is that you're willing to assist passengers in the event of a non-traditional landing. I
1: cannot be of any help whatsoever in any kind of non-traditional landing or any traditional landing.
3: Sir, how about I get you a drink? Would you like a Milo?
1: No, thank you. I don't drink. I don't drink. Just please find somebody else to sit here.
3: I'll look for a seat for you, but you owe me one,
1: mister. Thank you. It's ridiculous. I don't want to sit it. Why you should you give me a hard time? Just find somebody else. Who the hell knows how to do this thing? What, pull down? What is that going to do? <laughs> Where did he end up, Ryan? Uh, well, he ended up in that episode. He ended up in a different coach seat, and then he had to do the exact same thing again with the same flight attendant trying to get into first class because he wanted to go see his girlfriend who broke her leg, who was also his ex-wife's sister. That episode was chaotic, and I love it immensely. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. According, to, according to CNN, a United Airlines passenger was taken into custody Thursday morning at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport after opening an aircraft door, which is the emergency exit door, and walking onto the wing of the plane <laughs> while it was taxiing. A male subject was on board a plane that was approaching the gate when he pulled the emergency exit and walked out onto the wing, according to a statement from the Chicago police. The subject then slid down the wing onto the airfield. The engines are running, I think, my friend. When the plane arrived at the gate, all the passengers to plane safely. The man was arrested. Its charges are pending with some unexplained bruises, I'm sure.
1: Why? Why would you get, what did Why but where did are you going to go? Maybe not. To, yeah, exactly. You're going to get on the tarmac and then what? Is this like a public study? Your stuff is on the plane.
0: Do you realize <laughs> how hard it is to find the baggage carousel, even with all the signs telling you how to find the baggage carousel? How are you yeah. going to find the baggage carousel if you're on the tarmac trying to find your way through the back hallways? Just saying. That's crazy. 877 399 Trucker Kevin says, not sure if I want to get on a plane that may tip. Well, trucker Kevin, I have bad news for you. All planes are like that. In fact, mm. some small planes. There's one little thing that happens that you may not know, like the sobs and stuff when they when they land and they get to the gate after the engines turn off, the brakes are on. The very first thing they do is they actually go. They open up the back cargo door and inside there, there's a stick, and that stick's called a pogo stick. And the sign for it is this, actually, which is really funny. Nobody can see that, but it looks dirty. And um, <laughs> it does and. They go and it hangs off the back of the airplane straight down and it's a stand in case too many people stand at the back of the plane and the plane goes tip to stop it from tipping over and you don't know that's, that's happening. So if you think that you're wow. getting on an airplane that may or may not tip, um, I hate to tell it to you, but that little uh, tricycle landing gear thing they got going on, it's legit. In fact, yeah, no, I can't tell you that story. Never mind. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That one involves some confidence with airport stuff that I'm just not going to share. Are you okay with... Are you okay with Roombas?
1: Uh, I've never owned one. They seem cool, but they also seem like just... Kind of extra. Like, do you really need a Roomba, or can you just vacuum yourself? It's one of those pieces of tech that just seems like, like we're really lazy for needing it. But I don't know. I've never mm. used one, so I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. BK, uh, I guess
2: they're fine. I, I know someone who had one. He had a very clean apartment, a friend of mine. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of lazy. Um, you just and I how. I've never actually used one. How thorough are they? Do they get everything? Do they get in the corners? Do they get those weird spots that I think probably have a little sweeper, like Zambonis do at the
0: arenas that kind of get the corners? They have those now, so that's kind of cool. And they run all the time. This is the thing that I understand: if you sort of don't like the children afoot or the pet afoot, if you're trying to watch TV and your Roomba just decides to clean, that to me seems inconvenient and loud. I don't know. I don't, I don't. Robotic vacuums have tiny little sensors that allow them to get around your home and vacuum. Pro tip: If you have one, put googlies on your uh, googly eyes on your Roomba. <laughs> That's right.
1: But great. Roomba it's was really the cute. source
0: of true terror from one family in Nebraska this week. Bellevue Police. They say one robotic suspect made a clean getaway from an overnight burglary. Bellevue Police uh, Sergeant Sean Vest tweeted the story early this morning. Officers were called to a burglary in progress. The residents said they heard footsteps upstairs and thought someone was in the house. After investigating, officers found the culprit wasn't a burglar, but just the family's Roomba.
4: <laughs> so, hey,
0: you know, at least it was something innocent like that,
4: right? Right,
0: right.
2: Never, never hurts to check it out. No, no, it does not.
1: <laughs>
0: I want to know how excited the writer was when they said made a clean oh. getaway. To oh hear yeah, that. ten out of ten, excellent. For our next one, let's hear this. Oh donuts! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs>
2: yeah, I've been going out of order here. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah. here it comes. By the way, read my mind. Yeah.
2: So, you like donuts, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, have all the donuts in the world! <laughs> I don't understand it. James Coco went
0: mad in 15 minutes. <laughs> Are you okay with.
1: Found it. Donuts! Mmm. Yes, I could go for a uh, a uh, Boston. No, no, actually, what do I want right now? Right now, right, right now, I think is a uh, chocolate glaze from Tim Hortons. That would be the right donut for my current mood. Uh, Brendan, would you go with the uh, the
2: water glazed cauliflower donut, or what would you? Yeah, go why not? I was, you know, yeah, no, I haven't had a donut in several years, pre-COVID, even I think. Um, never was a huge donut guy. I was a lazy donut guy. There used to be like donuts on the lunch table here at Chorus back in the pre-COVID days. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. just have one because they were there for free. But I can't say I ever craved donuts. I'm not a donut guy. Love the donuts. Sour
0: cream glaze, man. This time of day, though, I'd probably go with the Boston cream, which Ryan was trying to
1: commit to, Mm. but he chickened out. Yeah, well, it depends because I think some people get the cream right or wrong. You know, a, a really good Boston cream glaze is, is amazing. But if you had kind of a, you know, not a, a half-baked one, if you, <laughs> if you would, they're kind of meh. All right. Uh, some people
0: are loving the donuts so much, they're willing to fight for them, quite literally.
1: In Spartanburg County, two employees at Krispy Kreme were taken to the hospital after a fight over the donut selection. A police report says it happened around 730 Sunday at the store on North Church Street. The report says an argument started in the drive through between the employee working the drive through and two customers who were ordering donuts. It says the customers then went inside the restaurant where they injured two employees who were trying to keep the fight from happening. Both were taken to the hospital no word on their conditions, but witnesses gave authorities the name of a possible suspect.
0: Holy donuts. <laughs> how do you spell donuts, Brendan Kelly?
2: Well, I've seen it spelt two ways. How, do, you how would you spell, spell it
0: if I said, how do you spell donut?
2: Uh, I don't know what the exact, uh, the the proper spelling would be, but like a lot of people spell it D O. N-U-T-S. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan here has the dough, like dough, the word dough, D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T-S. He's heavy on the dough. Yeah. But they are dough. Not really nuts,
1: though. Dough circles. There's dough in it. I mean, Jelly Modern Donut, that's a donut place in Calgary. They spell it in their sign with like the way I spelt it with the the UGH the fancy way of saying it
0: well and they are a very fancy donut company that makes amazing donuts but it's like 42 dollars a donut so yes. I'm exaggerating for emphasis of course but you get my point they can afford the OUGH <laughs> 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 in the sign yeah,
2: yeah and yeah. I just went to the Tim Horton's website they uh how did they how they have it Ryan's way donuts and I would think nice. they would be the top Canadian authority yeah it's authority. Good
0: in this situation with the fight in the drive through, the employee who was arguing with the customers told officers they had initially ordered a type of donut that the store did not have. When he told them they did not have that type of donut, he said the customers replied, Why do you have such an attitude about it? Well, Ooh. police said the uh, employee then told the customers to order donuts we have or don't order at all. Them's fighting words. Apparently literally fighting works
1: this is the shift podcast
3: that dance had it all
1: Come Dance With Me is a dance competition show unlike anything you've ever seen before. You have a child dancer who takes their parents or someone that they look up to and asks them to come and dance with them. Dad, will you come dance with me? Yes, baby, I will absolutely come dance with you. We have these teams who are going to compete week after week in the hopes of ultimately winning the grand prize of $100,000.
0: Every now and then a TV show comes along that you think is really cool, and that's what happened to me. It's on Global here in Canada. Uh, Come dance with me. And it struck me because dancing is something that I I was always terrified to do. My guests right now from the show um, are here as, and I'm curious to, I know on the show you've sort of revealed how you got into the invitation to dance. But for those who haven't seen the show, I did want to. um... I did want to start from there. Emily and Anna Tatusi joining us here on The Shift. Thank you. Did I get it right? Did I say it right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay, I was worried there for a second. Okay, so now, how did this get started? And had you ever danced before? Because the notion of the show is, you know, a a child. It doesn't have to be a a parent directly. It can be guardian or family friend or whatever. But the, um, the notion is... You probably have never danced before. Come dance with me. How'd you get into this? How did it start? I love it.
3: Well, Emily is a professional competitive dancer. She has been dancing since she was four years old. Um, I have never danced professionally, but I have done some dancing in middle school, in high school, in Armenia. That's where I come from. And it has always been my dream to dance on a big stage. (laughs) To live the life of a dancer. So when this opportunity came along, I did not even hesitate for a second. <laughs> yes, I, we're doing this.
0: So isn't it funny though? Hey, as a, you know, uh, here's the kid that giving the dreams to the parent. It's all backwards, but it's awesome. It is. It's beautiful. It is. So tell me, uh, Emily, you're, uh, you've are you danced, so you've had the teachers that tell you to stand up straight in your posture and don't do this with your fingers because they're waving the wrong way and all of the tiny little detail things. And I want you to be honest with me, I realize that Anna's sitting right next to you. But, like, how hard was it? All the details.
5: Um, it was um, a struggle, but surprisingly, my mom didn't, like, argue with me she really took in the corrections that I gave her which I do appreciate and I truly think that um me being tough on her really helped us. Well she did end up calling my fingers what did you call them? Soggy French fries. Soggy French fries
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh that's so good. Now see the problem here though Anna is that all of the things that you did in your parenting right because I'm I'm a parent I have I have kids um Uh, Emily, how old are you?
5: I am 13.
0: Okay, so my daughter's 15. So I feel like we're kind of in the same, we're sort of in the same realm here. Um, I know that every now and then as a parent, there are things that, there are moments we're presented with where we see ourselves in the mirror in our kids, right? And they'll say something to us, they'll do something to us and we go, oh. And whether that's just like our parents or it's something that we don't like to do or we're like, I can't believe that's that's me right there. Uh Uh-oh. So, have you been given a full dose of this now that you're the amateur in this Dancing Together on TV show?
3: Yes. Sometimes she would open up her mouth and I would come out of her mouth. (laughs) And when I say sometimes, it was throughout the show. And Mm. I, I always, I put in so much time and so much effort into her dancing, so I always... Maybe that's not a good thing, but I always expect perfection from her. So Mm -hmm. here she was expecting the same perfection from me too.
0: (laughs) Oh, and it comes full circle. Okay. So the opportunity to dance in general, I'm hoping that you both can answer this question in your own way. Uh, dancing for me was something that I never, I didn't do. I, I didn't even do it when I was a young person going to the bars because I was always the DJ. I didn't ever, you know, dance so much, and I was always afraid to do it. Then I was given the opportunity, and I, I joined a dance group. We danced for a bunch of old folks' home, a rock uh, dance. There was eight of us, and and I absolutely loved it. I embraced it. I sort of all the vanity, the ego goes away, um, the fear goes away, and it was fun. I absolutely loved it I can't wait for the opportunity to do it again So I'm hoping each of you can For those who were like me Who were terrified to dance It is The, the expression part of it's beautiful The art part is beautiful But really just the moving your body And and, and feeling that Experiencing that's quite magical to me So let's start with em, uh, em, Emily let's, let's go with um, You've been dancing forever Why is it magical for you?
5: Well, when I hear the music, I just feel it and become a whole different person. I feel like for me, when I'm thinking, when I'm overthinking Mm -hmm. about, oh, what step is next? Oh, what should I be doing right now? It ends up not looking good. And I feel like that's what everyone's like, that's the stereotype of dance. It's like the steps have to be right. There's a right and a wrong, but really... If you just feel the music and you just be yourself and you have fun, it'll end up looking amazing. I mean, dance is very diverse and you don't have to be a certain size or age to be able to dance. Anyone can dance. You just have to feel yourself and have fun. And if you love it, then just go for it.
0: I love it. It's good advice. Uh, As a 13-year-old, life for you can get uh, busy and hard and kids are kids and school is school and all the things. Is it a great way for you to escape all that, distract yourself from all of the life crap, if you will, and be able to just kind of get away into your own world for a little bit?
5: Dance is definitely a distraction from the craziness going on. Um, Dance itself, my dance schedule is (laughs) crazy on its own. But when I really Like, I just let loose, and I forget about everything, and it's just, it's that, those two hours that I spend in the studio every single day, it's just an escape for me, even though at times it can be stressful, but at the end of the day, it is one of my escapes.
0: All right, Anna, so you always had the dream to dance, you always had the, you know, the the desire to dance now that you've done the show come dance with me. And I mean, you kind of went all the way you didn't really go like I did and dancing in front of, you know, 14 old people in some, uh, you know, cafeteria hall. I mean, there you are big stage, big lights, cameras, all the things zero to 100. Um, what's the magic.
3: Oh my God. I I missed out on a lot. (laughs) I really, I really think about the experience and for a moment there, I think, Oh my God, what if it did not happen in my life? Like, uh, I've had so many amazing experiences in my life, but I can say that this was one of the most cherished things that I can think of. And I'm just really blessed that it happened in my life.
0: So when we, um, I'm going to ask the hard parenting question now for you, Anna. Um, I mean, you, you just said it, you, you expect the best from your kids. My, my kids, my, my son, he plays elite level hockey. My daughter, she show jumps equestrian and plays rugby, which is like strange for combination, but you know, they're both extremely competitive kids. I'm like you, I'm like, I would rather you, uh, show up and fail by working giving it your all all the time all the time all the time I don't care if you win I mean that's great but if if you show up and you half-ass it right like that that to exactly. me would be like exactly, exactly right now how does this change your perspective going forward because um Emily's going to continue to dance. You're still going to be a dance mom, probably a little less crazy of a dance mom than you were before. You can be empathetic. You can be sympathetic now specifically, and you, you get to be there for her in a different way. How does this change your mom, your momming in the future? Do you think, I mean, you must look at it differently because on a bad day when Emily comes back and goes, I was off. It didn't work. It hurts. I'm tired, whatever you get it now.
3: I do. I do. And um, I'm 40 years old, but in my life, I've never been criticized in front of my face. I've never been judged by anyone. Uh, I've never been critiqued for anything. And to to go out there and to put your best and show whatever you've learned and then go in front of the judges and hear their critiques and uh, get the scores from them, it's really, really stressful. And sometimes you can think, Oh, my God, I went out there and I did my best. And apparently not, they didn't like it, or they loved it. So it's, it's a very stressful situation. I'm definitely now less critical, more understanding. Um, I mean, I still expect her to go and do her best. But if she doesn't Absolutely. do it, it's not the end of the world for me because now I understand how hard it is to go out there and be criticized and be judged and be marked down or marked up. I totally get it.
0: Hmm. Um, okay. For the future. Well, we look forward, Emily. What do you want to do now? You've had a, you've had a taste of what the big show looks like. I have a couple of friends that I know that have danced. Uh, We've had guests on the show that have been on all of the, you know, the rock and roll tours to the ones who do, you know, the, um, the, the, the ongoing shows, all of the dance things. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do?
5: Um, I definitely want to continue dancing and I definitely want to be on Broadway someday. Um, but if dancing doesn't work out, I definitely want to try. I want to go to medical school and become a plastic surgeon. Wow.
0: <laughs> them some high standards. I, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And how cool is it that you have um, uh, two very demanding things in front of you to get there so that's that's pretty amazing. Why plastic surgeon?
5: Um, <laughs> well, I want. Honestly, I just wanna be in the medical field and plastic surgery is just it's so fascinating to me. Like this is it's very trendy, right? It is, it is, and yeah, I wanna fix my mom's nose.
0: I Oh there you I love it. For the record, Anna, I think you have a lovely nose.
3: Big Armenian nose. Yes.
0: I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's it's family. That's what it is. That nose speaks for family. It's beautiful. Well, we've had a guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Doctor Miami. We've had him on the show before. He's a friend of the shift. And uh, so, if you give him a look, he's he's in the commercial end of it uh, of the of the um, of the selling it. But if you want to check out Doctor Miami, he's a he's the friend of the show. Anna, when you look forward to family time now in the future, I don't know if. Uh, if you're like me, but one of my favorite things uh, is you and I are pretty close in age and, and, um, you know, and these kids, I mean, you, you know, the clock is ticking, you see it, right? I mean, you can see it in your face. Your daughter's so grown up. So well-spoken. I mean, look at, I mean, Emily wants to dance on Broadway or be a doctor. That's not far away, right? Till that stuff starts to happen. So you look in the mirror. Now you start to look at things like I do. What does family look like after this, this clock expires the next four or five years? Um, is dancing going to be part of this family routine now? When when you know you know Doctor Emily comes home from school or from Broadway, and maybe Doctor Emily is on Broadway. She does both. Um, and you know, is is dancing going to be part of the routine? Do you think? Do you think mom and daughter just kind of get together and put on some music at Christmas time or something?
3: I definitely think that dancing is going to be a big part of this family forever. And dancing is kind. Of, we I don't know if you're familiar with Armenian culture. Armenians they. Even if they get together for lunch or dinner, they always put the music on and they always dance.
0: See, I know. I didn't know that. They always
3: dance. It's just like silly Armenian dances, but we always do. But and I want to have to have that in her, to have that culture in her. And I definitely think that it's going to stay with us forever. We're gonna have oh, that's our, very exciting. I, I still go to, sometimes she she will book a class with one of the uh, choreographers on the show and I will go with her and I don't care that <laughs> I might embarrass her. I'll go with her.
0: That's beautiful. I love it. So is it worth it? Do you, What do you say to all the parents out there? And Emily, what do you say to all the kids that want to ask their parents to dance with them? You know, mother, daughter, father, daughter, mother, son, whichever way it goes what do you tell them emily i Uh, convince them that this is worth it
5: i say go for it um it there were couples on the show that didn't have as much of a close bond and the show really brought them closer like ava and john john is always on tour ava never got time to spend with him to spend with him and the show just made them closer. And it was a great opportunity for that. I mean, my mom and I are already really close, but having this experience dancing together on a big stage and having like fun, learning the routines together, trying new styles together, because I was, before the show, I only strictly did ballroom. So it was not only a challenge for my mom, but it was also quite the challenge for me to learn those new, new styles. And doing it with my mom was especially fun. So I like you have nothing to lose. So just go for it. Ask whoever you want to ask. I know it's always
3: harder for dads to agree to do this because, you know, moms are more involved in the kids dance lives and everything, their practices and their costumes. And usually girls do dance when they grow up. So it's harder for dads. So I want to give props to the dads that agreed to do the show. And I want to tell more dads to just go for it. It will be the experience of their lives.
0: Well, it's quite beautiful to watch, right? When you see that it's not quite perfect and you can see that they're working really hard to get it right. Mm -hmm. And the focus is there. But you can tell when they get it and you can see it. And it's, it's so cool to be like, A few weeks ago, that guy didn't have any idea what he was doing, and he's crushing it and feels good and is confident and and looks handsome and all of those things, right? Like, you can see it in people. It must be a new, a really exciting way for both of you to see it happen, unfold in front of you to a whole new level.
3: And dads, especially dads, had the most growth on the show. So, props to dad.
0: I love it. Okay, well, just so you know, for both of you, that um, becoming a, a plastic surgeon, um, people don't just show up and do your makeup before you go to work every day like they did on the TV show. You know that that part is dedicated only to the show, right?
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> they don't just give you clothes and here's your hair and your makeup and all that stuff. Just I just want to be clear that these TV That's people, they're building a false parts
5: life. Parts too. Yeah, that was a very cool experience.
0: Right? Just get pampered all the time? Oh, it's beautiful. You guys are great. And we
5: had robes and slippers, and they would ask <laughs> us if we wanted anything. And I felt like Kim Kardashian in
4: that moment.
0: There you go. See, maybe, maybe you have a uh, a famous TV future in front of you too. Maybe that um that Broadway angle might work out nicely for you. <laughs> Oh it's beautiful. Well, it is um it is Mother's Day coming up, so I can't think of a uh, better time to uh just acknowledge the work Anna and the mother and you can, I just want you to know from parent to parent. I mean, it's not my place to have an opinion, but I can tell you this that uh, it's very much reflected in your daughter and uh and you've done good work, Mom. Thank
3: you.
0: You're very welcome. And congratulations Emily on everything and I hope that you uh you you, you chase your dreams. Chase them down, go get them. Thank you. And congratulations for all of the success in the show. This is fantastic. And for everyone who hasn't watched it, you can always watch the ones that have passed on demand. Come dance with me. It's on global uh, here in Canada. Keep on crushing it, you two. Thank you so much.
1: This is the Shift Podcast.
0: The Canadian government's been watching you go to the liquor store. Of all of the things that they track, a report sent to the House of Commons Ethics Committee shows that Canadians' movements, including trips to the liquor store and pharmacy, were closely tracked via their mobile phones without their knowledge during COVID-19. Outbreak intelligence, this is a piece that's on globalnews.ca, analyst Blue Dot prepared reports using anonymized data for the Public Health Agency of Canada to help it understand travel patterns during the pandemic. Were you a good boy or good girl? The federal government provided one of these reports to the Ethics Committee as it probed the collection and use of mobile phone data by the Public Health Agency. This is from February 7th. Canada's uh, Privacy Commissioner said he highly doubts Canadians knew about the government using their cell phone data. The government has a COVID trends uh, web page, does a, a fairly good job of explaining to Canadians that their mobility data is used, but in order to get to that page, you need to, to,
3: to know that the program exists and that there is something called COVID trends.
0: I highly, highly doubt that the majority of users of mobility services knew
2: that their data uh, was collected despite the effort made by the government. Okay.
0: Does that seem off to you? Ryan O'Donnell, you said to me, it doesn't bother you. We were in conversation earlier today when we were talking about this. And it said, you said, they're tracking us anyway. It doesn't bother me, doesn't bother you. Can you just uh, briefly help us understand, in your opinion, why that doesn't bother
1: you? It just seems like an unavoidable thing. It's like, I have this piece of technology on me that I use. It's great. And this is just one of the things that happens in society now. And um, I, I don't feel like I can really do enough to change it. And honestly, I... Like, I I don't fully understand yet the negative aspect of someone watching my phone go from here to the dispensary where I buy cannabis or something like that. I don't see the negative yet. It's just I feel like it's too early. In my opinion, I'm obviously love to hear all the facts, but that's kind of where I'm at with it.
0: Okay. And my opinion is there's a big difference when Google follows you in order to sell you hockey skates because you went to a skate store. And when Google follows you from here to there and you go to the airport, so they give you flight discounts that went to the federal government, doesn't tell you that they're watching where you go in the middle of a pandemic. Hank, the hacker joins us here. Um, uh, Hank, bud, thanks for being here with us. We wanted to understand uh, tracking, What kind of tracking is done? How the hell does the government track our phones without us knowing? Last time I checked, I subscribed to a publicly traded company as my cell phone provider who uh, should be keeping my information private. So let's get started with the uh, kind of tracking that um, gets done in the world that you know of because there is both... Kind of like hackers, white hat hackers—the guys that the guys and gals that work for good. The black hat hackers, the crooks. There is tracking that makes our life a little easier, and there's tracking that is nefarious and bad. How you doing, bud?
4: Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I am. Yeah. Um, Tell me about. I, Tell I, me I about can't tracking, but. Well, I I really support both of yours and Ryan's point of view. I like both of you have really good points and, and, you know, Ryan brings up a, a really good point with why should I care that, you know, that they're monitoring certain activities, like, you know, me going to the, the dispensary down the road or something like that. And I, I agree. I, I think that like the only people in certain circumstances with this kind of data tracking that have to worry are, are the people that might've abused uh, certain kind of like financial uh, systems during a pandemic or certain um, yeah certain systems for set in place to help support people but um the the kind of tracking that that i think is taking place is it, it's really diverse so you, you know you see on the uh, the government of Canada's website, there's over 10 pages of applications that they've released to the iOS and Android uh, Google play store. And, you know, it's like, there's a Rive can. So it it uses, uh, use a Rive can to provide mandatory travel information on and after your entry into Canada. And there's all the things down to like bait fish primer so that you can, uh, it's developed by Fisheries and Oceans Canada, so that they can. Uh, it basically let lets users identify and protect Ontario's bait fishes wherever they go. Uh, but the, so there's all these apps that the Canadian government is is releasing to the store that people download and use. And of course, during the COVID pandemic, we had. Uh, the the Canada COVID-19 app there was um, a, a few of I, I think there was like COVID alert is what it was called and
0: yep. uh
4: these apps like if, if you go and read the terms of service it's it's like a can of worms of like uh, any anyone's like privacy anyone with privacy concerns worst nightmare so you know things like being able to track uh gps data and uh while they claim that um the data is actually inaccessible now due to an interruption in data access uh, for what we heard in the recording earlier with covid trends uh, that data still stays on a data center somewhere so uh, even though we can't see it they still can and obviously some of that data is is pretty accurate in, in terms of where you're moving around what purchases you're making and in in some cases if if they need to they can even uh, make requests for information to different platforms like you know different social media platforms or different banking platforms to get extra information so that they can corroborate this and make sure that it's accurate um, but,
0: well, one of the things that you talk about, Hank, is you talk about, um, with your securities job, right? You talk about phishing mm-hmm. attempts and how people hack into things. In most cases, most people don't necessarily pick the lock of hackers. It usually is one of those things that, um, that comes from a, you know, uh, a human error of some sort or fashion, right? Like most people get in because they open an email, puts a little software piece on the computer, gives somebody backdoor access, right? And, And so in this particular case, when these apps came out, There is an army of people that say, I'm not giving the government my data. I don't trust them, everything else. And there's always a big kerfuffle about all of these things, right? Privacy people versus just not trusting people. And then in this particular case with COVID, people were afraid and they wanted to know if they had been exposed to COVID. That was a thing. Now here in Alberta, where you live and where I live, Alberta never plugged into that, that federal app anyway. So it was silly for any uh, Albertans to have it unless you spent most of your time not in Alberta. So mm. the this is this to me seems like exactly all the reasons why everybody who always says don't trust anything from the government, don't put it on your phone. This is what they're talking about. This is exactly oh, what they're I, talking I about. I couldn't
4: agree more. I couldn't agree more. You know, they they paint this beautiful picture when you download it, and um, I. I I really appreciate uh, how he said it in the recording earlier. With, um, you know, they do a really good job at explaining that they're tracking this kind of information and, and that they're taking this information, but they're not telling you when you download the application, or they're not making it very clear when you're downloading it. It's it's hidden behind a program page, and like it's usually hidden behind you know many different sub pages or sub directories, and. Uh, It it, it even took me some time to find uh, the fact that their mobility data is currently inaccessible, but um, that only means to us, to the public. And uh, we can only imagine who else that data is being sold or is being given access to through partnership.
0: Right. Now, it sure would be nice if the... Canadian government could make more educated decisions on all the things it does. And that takes data. So that part, I get it. But the question is, is at what point uh, does it go? We all know the terms of use, you know, um, all of those agreements that you have to check box and scroll down on, on apps. Nobody reads them. Nobody actually reads them. And if you could read them and could understand them, um, it would probably take so long anyway that, you know, you wouldn't do anything. So like, it's it's sneaky pool to say that this COVID app or whatever thing that they're tracking you with, um, you know, is is just to help you not get the COVIDs. Um, we need to hold, and this is I'm this is me pontificating here briefly. You know, this is where we need to hold our government into account because of the fact that they say that we're gonna help you not get COVID, but then they're gonna track you going to the liquor store. And those kinds of sneaky behavior happen in all kinds of apps all the time and to find that the uh, the Canadian government is up to the same no good if you will shouldn't surprise us now this legacy data that is saved somewhere on a server the reality is is that that data is there for someone to uh, yeah. some computer scientist to program some filter analytics program to sort this data anytime 15 years down the road 5 years down the road it's still going to be archived you probably should explain the difference between archiving and deleting. And so we need to be very well aware that this stuff is not only there now, not only there for COVID, but it's going to be there for a very long time.
4: Absolutely. And and the the exposure of that information, just like you said, it, it stays. And because it's not deleted or destroyed and it's archived and just stored somewhere, but left like, you know, I'm quote unquote unindexed. Uh, or unaccessible, um, you know, I, I, I did a demonstration for some of my students today about how data can be left accessible seven, even 17 years down the road. We're looking at websites that are, that are archived on webarchive.org. And uh, so it, it's interesting to think of how even down the road, this can start to have uh you know it can it can start to have negative and like really negative and positive effects in in different ways and uh i think i think that it, it's really interesting what you say about holding our, our government accountable because I, that's a really good point i think that legislation needs to catch up in terms of not only holding cyber criminals accountable for you know cyber crime but holding and and for privacy breaches but holding the government accountable for uh for data tracking and for any kind of privacy uh concerns that people might have when they're using technology that the government offers and you know i th- I, th- I think a really good example of this would be on um you know who's who's ever read the whole terms of service agreement before signing up for an application or 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 down or downloading an application or signing up for a social media platform you 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 never really like think about it or or go through them and but it it would be nice if there were some kind of there was some accountability and and summarization in terms of you know, what data is being tracked while you're using this app, and where is that data being stored? And I think there should also be, again, accountability in terms of making sure that that data has a, a lifespan and making sure that when, you know, when they're labeling it here as an interruption in data access, they need to make that much more clear and, you know, either label the data destroyed and actually destroy it or label the data as archived and then make that available to only a certain amount of people or make it transparent to where that data is being made available and, and put the control of people's data back in their own hands.
0: Well, it's it's interesting, right? Because Apple did that on their phones with apps where you can, they had to ask for, can you track me? And it's yeah. very, it's, it's bad when that happens and we find it surprising let's just put it that way what kind of data here <laughs> quickly hank do we um what kind of data are we talking about do they know who we are and where we are uh like our social insurance number great example brought up by mary um you know that you know when we use our social insurance number to get a loan the government knows all the money things when you go file your taxes now you don't even need your t4s anymore you just do your automatic filing thing it downloads everything from what the government already has uh so they already have all that so what kind of how deep is this data
4: so without saying too much, I, I I can speak from experience when I say that uh, a lot of the digital infrastructure that we deal with, not only here in Canada, but a lot of places around the world um, uses what we call the deep web. And you, you might have actually heard the term the, the deep web before, but uh, what you're actually thinking about when you're you're thinking about the you know the good the bad and the truly ugly with uncensored like social media and the illegal marketplaces that's the dark web but kind of enveloping that and the bigger picture is is the deep web and this is where you know medical records um text messages like there's there's telecom uses the deep web and, there's tons and tons and tons of communications happening on the deep web, and but what happens, and, and especially in Canada, because we we do actually have pretty strict privacy laws, uh, it, people will start to monitor the deep web traffic, so they can, you know, they'll roughly speaking they'll they'll control a, a start node on the deep web and then an end node for one of these communication strings and then they can start to determine what's happening inside of that communication string. And so you might kind of you might compare this to eavesdropping on on a phone conversation. So like someone picks up the phone and they start listening in on on the other end. Um so they can start to start listening in on the you know the your phone just Pinging MAC addresses around the city, so you, your phone went to uh, went to the liquor store, and it pinged the MAC address of the the uh, Wi-Fi address there. And as you travel around the city, they can not only now they're starting to map your your movements with your MAC, like this unique identifier that your phone is trying to look for Wi-Fi networks, but it, it's also looking at, at other communications, things that are passed between um, applications that you might use. So, and, and some of these applications that are on the government of Canada's website, you can go to, uh, I just Googled, um, government of Canada iPhone apps, and you can look at their apps gallery. And, uh, that might be a really good example of some apps that are, um, doing that in the background, tracking your data. (laughs)
0: Wow, oh, that's amazing. Uh Hank the Hacker, thank you so much for being here and giving us some insight on what it is that we're up against in this. Um to be determined if it's good or bad, I guess. I know unsettling safe to say for many. Thanks, Bud. Great to hear your voice.
4: Absolutely.